Today we're thinking about the church and who's responsible for it. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you as a disciple of Jesus to thrive, to grow, and to become more like Him every day. He invites you to follow Him, and there is no choice that you can make that is more worthwhile than spending your life following Jesus. You know, before we begin today, I have just come off of a summer of travel and really a whole stage of life, a period of life where it seems like we've had just never-ending change and, and a long, long transition. And we're just now at the point where we think maybe, just maybe, we can see the end in sight. Well, part of this transition has been figuring out an office for me. And for the next year or so, hopefully we have figured that out. So today I'm actually in the space that I'll be using and you might be able to hear an echo because really this space was a former, like a warehouse. It is a massive room that we have access to. It's empty and very large. So it has a great natural reverb. Well, it's a blessing to be able to use this space. And one of the blessings is uh, having just access to this, the extra space to spread out. You know, my wife and I have moved back to the States to take care of her mom, and we are crammed into a small bedroom at the moment. And that functions as our bedroom, living room, office, workspace, everything else. So I'm certainly not complaining about having a little echo in this space today. One of the things that is in the works that we are praying about, one of our generous supporters has offered to help pay for a room in here. And maybe even in the next few weeks, we might get that done. So more information about that as we go forward. But for now, this is what I have. And I probably will try to make it a little more sound friendly uh, next week. But for today, we just got into the space and I am super excited to have it. <laughs> well, today we've been thinking about the church a lot, not just today, but going back a ways since we got saved. But I wanted to go back and think about a few basics as we think about the church. And one of those kind of basics that we need to think about is just that idea of, you know, what is the church? Uh, it's important that we consider and think about the church because it's so important as we read through the New Testament and see how important the church is to Jesus, uh, how much effort he put into seeing that the church would start well. And then ultimately you see his sacrifice on the cross was the necessary component for the church, this group of of people to be reconciled with God, to be able to become this body. So let's step back and say, what is a church? Well, a, a very basic definition you could say is just a group of believers saved by grace through faith. It's interesting as you look at the New Testament, you know, the New Testament church really did not function the way that a lot of our churches today do. We have a lot of structure. We have a lot of um, resources and components that we often consider 
important to the church that just weren't part of the New Testament church. So when the church started in Acts, it spread very quickly, and the numbers of people definitely grew faster than the support structure, if you want to think about buildings and resources that churches might use today, uh, hymn books and, and all those kind of things. The early church didn't have those things. So when you look through the New Testament, I always think it's neat to see, and I just have two examples here, but how the church really functioned out of the local family, the local house. So in Romans 15.3 is one of those places. Somebody you've probably heard of, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles likewise greet the church that is in their house. Uh, so here's the section where they're talking about, they're sending greetings, and they're talking about the church that's meeting in somebody's house. In Colossians 4.15, greet the brethren, brethren who are at Laodicea and Nymphos, the ch- and the church that is in his house. So this is how the, church, the early church met, in the house and also in the temple or the, the portico around um, where the, the Jews, as they were saved to come out of the church, they didn't. Uh, they came out of the um, the tabernacle and moved from Old Testament Judaism to the church. They didn't instantly leave the building and the structure that they had. They had this center of the community, and they stayed there for a while. And then the Gentiles didn't have that, so they often more quickly maybe went into the, the houses is kind of the way I would think that that would have worked. Either way, the church ended up meeting in larger places, outside reading uh, in places where the church met by a river and people met uh, in different locations, public and in homes primarily, uh, as the church grew and spread. So they didn't have all the structure there. So the church really, it's not restricted to a time and a place it's not restricted to a certain kind of building or things like that. It is the people. It's this group of people who have been saved by grace, who haven't understood the gospel, that Jesus lived on this earth, fully God, fully man, that he died on the cross, uh, that he was buried in the tomb, that he came out of the grave alive, and that because he did that, we have hope and we have we place our faith in what He has accomplished in removing our, our sin debt, in making us holy, giving us His righteousness so that we can be right with God. So those who believe that are part of this universal church. Now, at the same time, we have the idea of the local church, and we're talking about the church that met in someone's house. That is a local expression of the church. We call that the local church. The universal church would be all the believers from Pentecost until Christ comes back. So you have this local church, this local body, who are people who have accepted Christ as their Savior, they place their faith in Him, and then they meet together. Uh, they have meaning and purpose in their meetings. They have things that they come together really to, to do and to be. So one of the things that I have so often emphasize and, and just will continue to emphasize because it's a good, clear place that you see it. In Ephesians chapter 4, you see how the church has been provided by God with certain gifts and giftings and roles, people 
whose, whose real job, whose purpose is to help the church grow, to be built up, to become what God intends for it to be. And we think of that as equipping, as preparing the church for ministry. Now, one of the, I don't know, one of the issues I often have with, with us as local churches today is that we often consider ministry really as something that only the pastor does. Maybe the assistant pastor, the song leader. We see ministry as something that's done on Sunday, and we don't often really clearly understand that ministry is something that every part of the church does. So every member, as I believe it, understand it, every member of the church, every person who has placed their faith in Christ receives spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are given to them not for their own benefit to use on themselves, to build themselves up. Those spiritual gifts are given to build up the church. And it is the using of those spiritual gifts for the equipping of the church uh, that is ministry. Uh, It is also ministry when we take our knowledge, our walk with Christ, and share that in the form of the gospel with other people, the good news that Jesus has come, that we have the potential to be freed from our sins, that this life has meaning and purpose, that there's hope. As we share that message, that also is ministry. And every single believer, every single person has the opportunity, the responsibility to be in ministry, to be doing this work of the ministry. So it's not just the pastor, the deacons, the elders, uh, the Sunday school teacher, the worship leader, whatever your church might have. Uh, We have people who serve the church because it is a body that, uh, as it grows, has certain needs. We see even the the deacons, when they were first put into place, it was because there was a clear physical need. The widows, uh, there's certain percentage of the widows were not being taken care of. And that's an issue. As part of the church, we have a responsibility to each other to care for each other. So the first deacons were put into place to take care of a very specific physical need. And that was ministry for them. But that is not the only ministry. And what has happened over time, we have gradually turned most of the things that we call ministry over to someone else in an official role, and we have de-emphasized ministry as being something that every single person is part of and needs to be part of. You know, I really like that the New Testament uses this, this picture of the body as the church. So Ephesians 1.22 says, uh, and he put all things under his feet. And this is God put all things under his feet and gave to him Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And this is the church is his body. The church is the body of Jesus. And that's an important image, I think, for us to have because, you know, the, the Bible tells us, you know, it's you have different parts to the body. You have eyes and ears and fingers and toes. Every part of the body doesn't have the same purpose, doesn't have the same role. But often we look at, we have 
we have local churches who have certain roles, pastor, deacons, elders, Sunday school teacher, worship leader, and we don't really see the rest of the church taking part in, in ministry. They're not understanding their opportunity to be, uh, to be servants, to be ministers. And I think it's important to, to understand fully this idea that we are the body. Every single member of the church, every single one who has, who has placed their faith in Christ, is part of the church, has a role to play. And that's really important for us. We have to embrace that, that God has given me a role. God has given you a role. God has given each one of us gifts that He intends to be used. If we don't understand that, then it's easy to leave everything to someone else. And that's not what God intends. So we are to be growing in our ability to understand and to use our gifts. You know, as you think about this idea of the, the church and particularly the role of the, the pastors and the, the leadership of the church, you know, Acts twenty twenty eight says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among, whom, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This idea of Jesus' body being the church and understand his ownership of that. And I think... It's so clear that Jesus loves the church, that he really cares for the church, that he intends for the church to thrive. And that's why he's given these specific roles to serve and to care for the church. But then we have to go back to Ephesians 4 and say, well, those people who were given these roles in the church and given a certain kind of gifting, that gifting was not just to serve the church, to help them to be comfortable to give them what they want. They're to serve the church by helping the church understand the reason why they, they exist, the reason why this body exists, the purpose that, that God has. And I think all of us need to grasp that truth that Paul shared in 2 Corinthians 5.20, that we are ambassadors for Christ. That's true for every single one of us. That's not just talking about a pastor or a leader in the church. That's talking about Every single one of us, we have the opportunity and the responsibility to be ambassadors, to be representatives for Jesus in the world today. And that's really one of the primary purposes for the church, I believe. And we feel we really fulfill this as we commit to that process of making disciples. You know, it's one of you know my heartbeats just to be engaged in this ministry that God has given all of us to be uh, disciple makers, to be committing to other people, to help them to grow. And I believe disciple making starts with that person uh, well before they're actually saved. So when you develop a relationship with someone who's not a believer, and maybe they've never even heard the name of Jesus, it's very common for us in Japan. You meet somebody and they don't really know who Jesus is never seen a Bible, not really familiar with uh, the cross and what it really stands for. So when you meet that, meet that person, person for the first time, discipleship is starting then. You're representing, being an ambassador for Jesus in that time and helping this person understand why Jesus is worth following, why he is worth 
um, pursuing and understanding why it's worth learning about what he said. And I think as we do that, we're engaging in that process of disciple-making, even, even before the person really grasps the implications of the gospel. Well, that process of making disciples is part of what helps us as the church to grow. I mean, we, we reach more people as we have more disciple-makers. We personally grow in Christ-likeness when we're engaged in relationships with other people who are also disciple-makers, who are pursuing Christ themselves, and we have good conversations about spiritual things and about the struggles that we have and about how we understand Scripture and how we're misunderstanding at times and how we're trying to apply it. I mean, that's part of this process. And it's interesting, you know, this past weekend, or past week, I was at a conference, and it was a, a church planning conference. So you have pastors and future pastors who are working together to see new churches started. And many years ago, I, I kind of have, for a long time, a, a little bit struggled with this idea of church planting, because I think ultimately that's what, what God does. Really, and I have been thinking about this a little bit recently, and I think I shared it on the, the last show, you know, the, the church produces seeds, and those seeds really are disciple-makers. Every disciple-maker is a seed, potentially, for a new church. And God plants those seeds where He wills. It's really, you know, Matthew sixteen eighteen, where Jesus is talking to his disciples there, and they, and they just proclaim that he is uh, the Christ, the Messiah. He says that to Peter, you're, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And he, he's talking about that, um, I believe he's talking about that pro, uh, prophetic dec- declaration of Peter that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. And Jesus tells him, you know, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but the Holy Spirit, God, has revealed this to you. And it is that work of God to build his church. Jesus builds his church. He says, I will build my church. Um, our role really is that Matthew 18, or 28, 18, 19, and 20, where Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth, and you see that in the church. He is the head of the church. Certainly, he has the authority of the church. And he says, because I have this authority in heaven and earth as the head of the church, he's giving the church, the future church, this commission to be disciple-makers, go and make disciples. And I think sometimes we take that and, and even at this conference last week, we take that and we say, well, we understand that he meant churches. So, well, I don't know. I kind of like to think that he meant what he said, that we are to, to go as disciple makers, and our goal is to make disciples wherever we go. And the really cool thing about that is wherever we make disciples, churches pop up. <laughs> That's, that's the way God works. I think that's the way He intended it. He builds His church Himself. As He grows us, as we are obedient to Him, uh, churches happen. And we like to control that. 
uh, we like to figure out how to do that better. And I think that's, that's all well and good. We know we do want to, to do well at carrying out this great commission. Um, but sometimes we focus, I believe, maybe a little bit too much on the structure and the program and the buildings and all these things that are trappings and the church uses those things, but that's not actually the church. And we don't spend enough time on the disciple makers who are the church, the disciples who make up this body. And I think if we spent equal time, and sometimes it's, it's almost frightening how much money goes into uh, a new church, or you look at some large churches, uh, consider their budget and how much money they spend on facilities. Uh, the facilities just cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> and, and say, well, what if we took just a, a a part of that, a quarter of the money we spend on facilities, um, and really put that into disciple making. And a lot of times we, we, we do resource programs. We'll re- resource our Sunday school and ladies programs and all these things, but they all lack a little bit of intentionality where they're not intentional disciple making programs. Uh, they're not intentionally um, developing people to be able to be relational disciple makers in their home, in their community, in their workplace. They're much more about Christian support. And we, we like to have a really strong Christian support network. And we end up with Christians, people who are really believers, but they're heavily reliant upon a lot of the support network instead of God as He works through the Holy Spirit. So, you know, as we think about that and and go back to Matthew 16, he says, you know, on this rock I'll build my church, and I will build my church. And in 1624, he gives us again, kind of like the uh, Matthew 28 coming later, he's going to give that commission to go and make disciples. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, if you want to follow me, then you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So Jesus set the bar very, very high to be a follower, to be a disciple. And I'm not sure that this is how we approach it today. We like to set the bar on the ground and say, just, you can just step over it. <laughs> if, if you just come and raise your hand, uh, we're going to be happy to, to have you be part of our church. <laughs> it, it really is a, uh, a much lesser form of following. That is not what Jesus said. Um, he really challenged his disciples to put him first completely, 100% in every area. And, you know, I'm just not sure that we are comfortable doing that. You know, it says, if anyone desires to come after me, and I think a lot of times we struggle right there. Part of the reason we struggle with our, our image of the church and our interaction with the church is because we don't really want to follow Jesus. He's building his church, and we say, well, I don't really want to be part of that. I'm not interested in following you, Jesus, enough to put up with your followers. <laughs> and to be fair, the followers of Jesus are, 
often quite sinful, and uh, there, there are quite a number of hypocrites in the church. Totally get it. Uh, there are people who are selfish and who fight about really foolish things. Uh, there are people who sin in horrific ways who are in leadership in the church. And I mean, definitely uh, the church can be a very hard group of people to get along with, just like everyone else in the world, because they may be forgiven, but they have not made it to perfection and won't make it there uh, this side of eternity. So we can use that as an excuse. Well, because they're not quite as good as they should be, um, I'm just going to stay away. Or we, we can do what we're supposed to do, which is look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm committing to follow you. And if you lead me to the church, and I believe that God intends for us to be part of his church, that the, Jesus, the, the church that Jesus is building, we are to be part of it. We are to be part of helping it to be better. I, I think that Ephesians 4, as it talks about equipping the church, part of that is each one of us using our gifts. And too often, because only a fraction of the church are using their gifts really to build up the church, of course the church is going to be a little bit weak. It doesn't have all the gifts being used. It doesn't have everyone uh, really committed to helping the church to grow. So you're, you're limited in the resources you're putting into it. You have a small number of people using their gifts to serve a large number of people who really just want to be served more. So we often don't really desire to follow him. Uh, so then when he gets to deny yourself and take up a cross, so that, well, you know, you lost me at desiring to come after you. If I'm not really desiring to come after you, then certainly I'm not, not interested in denying myself. And uh, to take up my cross, you know, that sounds hard. I'm not interested in that. And to, to take up my cross and follow you, well, that, that, that sounds terrible. So we're just not interested in doing that. And we fail to recognize that the church, as the hands and feet of Jesus, has an important part to play in the, the world today. The world today looks at us, and a lot of what they know and understand about Jesus initially comes through the followers of Jesus. When people see kindness, when people see love exhibited, when people see the love that we have for each other, when people see truth that comes along with grace, I think all those things play a part in helping uh, the church be what it should be. And a lot of people, that's the first taste that they have of what it means uh, to know Jesus. So we, we certainly... Need to, do be- need to do better. But by running away and um, not being part of it, that's not helpful. And by trying to build it ourselves, uh, we're not going to succeed. So, you know, the church brings gospel witness to the ends of the world. Uh, we are heavily involved in equipping more wor- workers. This is really the process of disciple-making. Is That's how we equip more workers. Bringing worship of the true and living God to every corner of the globe, every street, on every village. So the question we need to be asking is, you know, what's my part? And my challenge to you today is your part might be quite hard. It might be difficult. It's not easy usually, but it's always worth it. So don't give up. Thanks for joining me today. Write me at norman at runwithhorses.net with your questions, comments, or just to let me know you're listening. I'd love to hear from you. Whatever you do, keep your eyes on the prize. You know, this life, ultimately, uh, the struggles will be worth it in the end, so don't give up. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep looking for other people to pursue Him with. And whatever you do, keep running. <laughs>